Hey everybody, thank you for choosing the Richlands Tabernacle Podcast. Right here every Thursday you will hear two new sermons from the church that were delivered either by Pastor Horton or one of the other ministers from the church. We hope you enjoy. God bless. My soreness is leaving, so I'm assuming that all this pain I've been in is from where I've been throwing up so much and all this incision. So I'll praise the Lord for it. 
How long had you thrown up for? I've been throwing up since the end of October. Well, in the name of Jesus, there is more than enough power flowing from above. Cleanse by His blood, clothed in His blood. In the name of Jesus, there is more than enough, more than enough. Well, I said, in the name of Jesus, there is more than enough power flowing from above. beautiful gate Peter and John we're going up to pray the beggar asked for money but Peter had none he said in the name of Jesus you can overcome standing on his feet glory filled his legs he walked he jumped and he began to run well, in the name of Jesus there is more than enough Power flowing from above, cleansed by His blood, clothed in His love. In the name of Jesus, there is more than enough, more than enough. Well, Paul and Silas were thrown into jail, locked up securely down in an inner cell. Well, beaten and bleeding. They did not complain, but hung about midnight. They prayed and they sang, their hands raised in praise. Their feet hit the stocks, the power of God made that jailhouse rise. In the name of Jesus, there is more than enough power flowing from above. Cleansed by His blood, clothed in His love. In the name of Jesus, there is more than enough, more than enough. Well, I said, in the name of Jesus, there is more than enough. Power flowing from above, cleansed by His blood, clothed in His love. In the name of Jesus, there is more than enough, more than enough. Well, I sent for Went out at midday with her water pond to get a little drink. But waiting for her was the truth and the way. Oh, how she listened to what he had to say. Her spirit was so thirsty, her soul bound for hell. Instead of just a drink, he gave her the well. In the name of Jesus, there is more than enough. Power flowing from above, cleansed by His blood, clothed in His love. In the name of Jesus, there is more than enough, more than
Brother Steve Kaiser left not feeling good this morning, said he was having some shortness of breath, so if we could raise our hands and pray for Brother Steve. Touch him, Lord. You see the situation right now, Lord. You see the situation in the middle. Touch him, God. It might could get a little quieter in here if we tried real hard. <clears throat> I hope the Lord will come to us and help us, don't you? We've got to have the help of the Lord, that is for sure. Uh, did you get some wind at your house last night? I did about, I don't know, 3 o'clock this morning. The dog started barking like crazy. Randa got up and went outside because that's her dog. <clears throat> <laughs> Randa got up and went outside and a rocking chair had fallen over on its bo dog box and blown the, uh, the um, grill over and busted all of that apart about 3 o'clock this morning. But God's still on the throne, isn't he? Um, Brother Rodney, I don't mean to embarrass you, but you just told me something the church needs to hear, all right? Yes, hallelujah. Thank the Lord for that. Isn't God good to us? It's a good introduction to what I want to talk to you about this morning. I want to talk to you about, but God. But God. And I've got a couple verses here that you probably can't get to as fast as I want to read if you're interested in jotting them down, but you probably won't be able to turn to them. In Genesis 31 and verse 7, And your father hath deceived me and changed my wages ten times. This is Jacob. Your father hath deceived me and changed my wages ten times, but God suffered him not to hurt me. Genesis 39, 20, and 21. And he was there in the prison, talking about Joseph. But the Lord was with Joseph and showed him mercy. Genesis 45 and 8. So now it was not you that hath sent me hither, but God, and he hath made me a father to Pharaoh. Genesis 48 and 21. And the Lord said unto Joseph, or, or sorry, and the Israel said unto Joseph, Behold, I die, but God shall be with you. Genesis chapter 50 and verse 20. But as for you, you thought evil against me, but 
God meant it unto good. Acts 7 and 9. And the patriarchs moved with envy, sold Joseph into Egypt, but God was with him. Let's raise our hands and ask the Lord to help me this morning. Heavenly Father, we're coming before you as humbly as we know how. We're in your presence, Lord. We've come into your sanctuary. Please help us this morning. Move on our hearts, Lord. Touch my mind, Lord. Touch my speech. Touch the ears of these people, God. Touch my heart to be moved by your word. Help us this morning, Lord. We need your help this morning. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Well, I think you may have seen the pattern there. Have you seen the pattern? But God or but the Lord. That's what I want to talk to you about this morning. Now, those two terms, but God or but the Lord, they appear 94 times in the King James Version. I'm going to go over every one of them today. I'm just kidding. You know better than that. I'm not going to go over every one of them today. But 94 times the Bible says, but God or but the Lord. Now, you know me. I'm a, I'm a math guy. I'm not an English expert. Aranda is the English expert. But if I recall correctly, the word but is a coordinating conjunction. And I was talking to Aranda last night about coordinating conjunctions. And uh, I remembered that there were seven of them, but I couldn't remember them all. And she said, fanboys is the way you remember it. Fanboys. For, and, nor, but, or, yet, so. There's the coordinating conjunctions. And coordinating conjunctions, they can be used to connect two independent clauses together. Two sentences that are standalone sentences, they can yet, there's one of them, yet they can be joined together. Two standalone sentences, yet they can be joined together. But the coordinated conjunction, but, it's a little bit different. It's unique from all the other ones. And, it, it, and be, the reason it's unique is because it, it has a bigger impact on what is being said. Because it is a contrast or, or a contradiction to what has already been said. But qualifies the first statement by leading into the second statement. So the verses that I read to here quickly in Genesis and in Acts, they are the story of Jacob and they are the story of his son Joseph. Now if you look at those verses, if you look at just the first part of those verses, each one of them is changed by that word but. I was deceived and my wages were changed ten times. But God, I am in prison but the Lord, I am in slavery in Egypt, but God, I am dying, but God shall be with you. You thought evil against me, but God, I was sold into Egypt, but God. You see, Jacob, Jacob was a cheater. Jacob was the heel grabber. He was a schemer. He was a liar. And that's the way most of us were. In fact, that's the way all of us were at one point. We were lost, we were undone, we were without God, we were wicked and we were vile. The Apostle Paul states in Ephesians chapter 2, at the very beginning of this chapter, the very first words in this chapter, he says that we were by nature the children of wrath. We were dead in trespasses and sins. We walked after the course of this world. We lived according to the prince of the power of the air. We were disobedient. Our flesh and our minds were corrupted. We had the sentence of death upon us, the apostle Paul says. We deserved to die. We were sinners. We were wicked. We all were. We were unclean. We were under the control and the bondage of Satan. 
death was our destiny. Cheater, that was our name. These are standalone sentences. These are sentences that have their meaning as they are. It is all true. These are the facts. This is what we were. We were cheaters. We were vile. We were under the power of Satan and sin. And then in Ephesians 2 and verse 4, Paul puts this. But God, but God, all of those other statements were true about us. They were the facts. We were guilty. We were condemned to death. But then there's those two little words, but God, but God. That's what I want to talk to you this morning about. But God. Who is rich in mercy for his great love wherewith he loved us. Even when we were dead in sins hath quickened us together with Christ. By grace you are saved. Death was our destiny. But God. The devil was our dictator. But God. Sin was our slavery. But God. Chains were our commission. But God. Cheater was our name. But God. Supplanter, that was our status. But God, where would we be this morning without God? Paul puts it like this in Romans 5 and 8. But God commended his love towards us while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. We were nothing but Christ died. We were unlovable, but Christ loved us. We were mean and vile, but God had mercy. We were guilty and unworthy, but God had grace. But God. These two little words, three-letter words, they changed all the facts that Paul talked about. Every one of them were facts. We were guilty. He He laid them out. Sentence after sentence, he laid them out. But these two little three-letter words changed it all. They turned the meaning upside down. The description of these words were turned upside down. All of the certainty of the conditions there that Paul put, those were changed on end because of two little words. But God. Dr. Martin Lord Lloyd-Jones said this. These two words, in and of themselves, in a sense, contain the whole of the gospel of Christ. Just in two little words. But God. Where would you be but God? Where would I be but God? You see, Jacob was the supplanter. He was the cheater. He was the liar. He was born that way. But God. But God. On his way to Laban, God meets with Jacob and Jacob builds an altar to God. On his way back from Laban... Jacob wrestles with God and God changes his name. While he's with Laban, Jacob was deceived and his wages were changed ten times. But the Bible says, but God. But God. How the whole meaning of that verse in Genesis chapter 31 changes because of these two little words. But God. God changed Jacob from the supplanter to one of our great patriarchs. He changed Jacob to Israel. And Israel found out that in spite of his name, 
in spite of his character, in spite of his actions, when he came to face to face with God and he wrestled with God all night long, when he was in his deepest crisis and his deceiving, deceitful father-in-law was behind him and his angry twin brother was in front of him and things could have turned out wrong, he wrestled with God and God said, But God, I'm going to change your name from Surplanter to Israel. But God... So God changed Jacob from supplanter to patriarch. He changed him from Jacob to Israel. Now to be clear, having a name change from Jacob to Israel did not automatically mean that Israel's life was going to be a bed of roses from then on. Having an encounter with Jesus Christ does not necessarily mean that you will never have trouble again. It does not mean that. And here's an example of this. Jacob wrestles with God. He gets a name change. God steps on the scene and he gets a name change. But that did not mean that Jacob did not face trouble anymore. Later on, Israel had to grieve and to mourn for the death of his wife, Rachel, because she was giving birth to Benjamin. And she died while giving birth. And then Jacob had to to mourn and to grieve because Rachel's first son, Joseph, Israel's favorite son, he was killed by a wild beast. Now bear with me for a second. He was killed by a wild beast. In fact, the Bible says that Jacob said, Joseph is without doubt rent in pieces. Jacob rent his clothes, he put on sackcloth and ashes, and he mourned many days. The Bible says, the Bible says specifically that Jacob said, I will go down to the grave mourning for my son. Now you may say, but he, but he didn't really die. But you understand that the Old Testament wasn't written then. Jacob was not reading. He did not have the luxury of reading from the Old Testament. And that same thing I said a couple weeks ago about Job. He did not have the luxury of reading the book Job. Jacob here did not have the luxury of reading chapters 39 and 40 and 41 and 42 and 45. To him, Joseph was dead. He had to mourn for his dead child. So just because he had a name change did not mean that trouble would go away. He still had death that he had to deal with. He still had sorrow that he had to deal with. And then later on, Benjamin is taken from his own hands to be taken off to Egypt to to satisfy some crazy dictator in Egypt. And right in the middle of all that, what's going on? It's a famine. It is a famine for Jacob. The famine was not just in Egypt. The famine was right where Jacob was living. So just having a name change, just because God stepped on the scene once, does not mean that we're exempt from trouble. And I think you know what I'm talking about. We know the story. Joseph did not die. Jacob is taken to Egypt. But when Israel comes down to die, when Jacob names Israel, he comes down to die. He calls Joseph in and his Joseph's boys. And in Genesis 48 that I read to you, here's his words. Jacob tells Joseph, Israel tells Joseph, behold, I die. Now that could be some pretty tough words. Some pretty, be some pretty sad, heart-wrenching words. But God, but God, that's what the scripture said. Jacob said, behold, I die, but God will be with you. I'm going to be gone from the scene, but my God is not going to...
going to be gone from your situation. I might be dead and in the grave, but my God will be with you. But God, but God, but God, what would your situation be? But God, but God shall be with you. So Jacob here, he illustrates to us the salvation process, the redemption process. These two little words take him from Jacob the supplanter to Israel. It takes us, those two words take us from from eternal death into eternal life. But God takes us from a conniver into a Christian. It takes us from an imposter to a patriarch. Those two little words. Our eternal outcome completely changes because of two words. But God. But God. So Jacob illustrates to us that redemption process, that salvation process. But Joseph, on the other hand, he illustrates to us that the life of a Christian is still going to have trouble. There is still going to be sorrow. There's going to be depression. There's going to be grief. There's going to be discouragement. You better believe it. Jacob knew something about this. He knew something about being rejected, even by his own family. He knew something about what a deep, dark pit looks like. He knew what it felt like. He knew he could describe to you the smell of being in that deep, dark pit. He knew what it meant to be lonely. He knew what it meant to wonder, God, why in the world am I here? Why in the world is this happening to me? Jacob is salvation, but Joseph is the Christian life. The Christian life. He knew something about being abused. He knew something about being accused and abandoned. You see, Joseph went from a pit down to slave quarters in Egypt and even further down into a deep, dark prison. He even got forgotten by his fellow prisoner that he had helped. How much lower can you get? And if you just read the first part of those verses in Genesis chapter 39, 45, and 50, and Acts chapter 7, if you just read those complete, standalone, factual sentences, if you just read them in and of yourself, it looks pretty bleak. It looks pretty dark. It looks pretty heart-wrenching. It it looks pretty lonely. It's pretty scary. It looks like Satan and his enemies are winning. It looks like betrayal. It looks like that there are way more questions than there are answers. But the truth is there is only one answer. But God. But God. The Bible says, but God was with him. But God showed mercy. Verse after verse I read it to you. But God was with him. But God showed mercy. But God meant it for his good. But God helped him. I don't know that I can tell you this morning why this church is under such attack. I can't tell you exactly why it seems like we have more losses than we have gains, why we have more sickness than we have health, why we have more pain than we have joy. I can't tell you that, but I'm here to tell you two words. But God! But God! I can't explain it all. I can't tell you when or how it's going to happen. But I can tell you there is but God. But God. But God. You remember when David was running from Saul. The Bible says in 1 Samuel 23 and 14. Saul sought him every day. 
every day for years, every day Saul sought David. But then there's a comma, and then there's two little words. Do you know what those two little words are? But God, but God delivered him not into his hand. But God delivered. But God delivered. He was hounded day after day by his own family, by his father-in-law, by his enemy, day after day. But then there's two words that God put into the scripture. But God. But God. Psalms 118 and verse 13. Thou hast thrust me sore, thou hast thrust sore at me that I might fall. David is talking about his enemies here. David is talking about his enemies. Thou hast thrust sore at me. Thrust sore at me. That wording there means with intensity and repetition. David's enemies had made a deadly threat at him. They had repeatedly given him blow after blow after blow. They had come with a fierce determination that they were going to crush and destroy David. Thou hast thrust sore at me that I might fall. But then there are two little words. In this case, three little words. But the Lord. But the Lord. It looked like I was doomed, but the Lord helped me. But the Lord helped me. Another time, David is running from Saul. And this time, like us many times, David takes the matter into his own hands. He becomes weary of being hounded by Saul every day. And his faith is weak. So he decides to go down to the Philistine city of Gath. To the enemies of Israel. And that's where he decides to go. And of course, this lapse in judgment did not turn out so well initially. Because if you remember the story, David had to pretend that he was a madman. He had to let the spit run down on his beard. And... uh, I thought this was funny. I read it yesterday. This one man said, if, if you kick the person most responsible for your troubles in the backside, you wouldn't sit down for two weeks. In this very instance that David is going through, when he got himself into trouble by going down to the enemy camp, when he is running from Saul, and instead of trusting God, he becomes weary, he becomes weak, he becomes faint in his faith. And at that moment, he writes Psalm 34 and 19. Many are the afflictions of the righteous. Many are the afflictions of the righteous. You look at Psalm 34, the beginning of that is this situation that David is in. He's spitting on his beard. He's acting like a madman. And then he writes, many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord. But the Lord delivereth them out of them all. But the Lord delivereth. I hope you're getting this this morning. But God. But God. There was a photographer. He was a photographer in National Magazine. And his assignment was to uh, take pictures of this great forest fire. And so he was trying to take pictures, but the fog and the smoke had gotten so thick that he couldn't get any pictures from the ground. And so he called into the main office and asked him if he could get an airplane. Maybe he could get some pictures from the sky. And so they made arrangements for him to get an airplane at a local airport. And so they told him, there's going to be a plane waiting for you on the tarmac. 
Just get in it. It's waiting for you. So he got there, and sure enough, there was a plane there already started. So he jumps in and, and hollers at the pilot, let's go, let's go. And so the pilot turns into the wind, and they get into the air. And, uh, and the photographer says, now I want you to fly over the north side of the fire. He said, go down low three or four times. I want, I want to make some low passes. And that pilot turned and looked at him strangely and said, uh, why do you want me to do that? And uh, the photographer looked at him and said, well, I take pictures. That, that's what a photographer does. They take pictures. And, and that pilot looked at him in such a strange way. He looked at him and said, what do you mean? You're not the instructor? You get it? You're not the instructor? I was sitting here waiting on the instructor to step in. I don't know how to fly this plane. I barely got off the ground. Sometimes we find ourselves in trouble. Sometimes we found ourselves in situations. David said that you're going to have a lot of trouble. There's going to be plenty of it. But then he, he quantifies that with two words. But God. But God. But God. One night in a men's conference, it was men only, in a men's conference, and the preacher was getting into his preaching, and he, he was getting pretty fired up, and so he shouted to all the men. He said, all you men who have troubles in your mind, stand up. All you men who have troubles in your mind, stand up. And everybody in the room stood up except one man. And the preacher looked at him and said, oh, man, you, you are one in a million. You're a special individual. And the man raised his hand and said, it ain't that, preacher. He said, I can't get up. I'm paralyzed. So we will have troubles. We will have troubles in our body. We will have troubles in our mind. We will have troubles. It rains on the just and the unjust. And David said that there's going to be many afflictions throughout your life. Even for a righteous man, there's going to be affliction. So don't think you're super special. You are super special because of God. But you're not super special. It rains on the just and the unjust. We all go through times of trouble. Even the righteous man is going to have many days of affliction. The, the story is told of a, a man who appeared in heaven before the pearly gates. And we know this is not biblical. And uh, St. Peter meets him at the gate. And he asks him, he says, do you have anything of particular merit to tell me before I let you into heaven or decide not to let you in heaven. He said, well, I can think of one thing. He said, once I came upon this, this gang of uh, very spirited bikers, and they were harassing this young woman. He said, so I directed them to leave her alone, and they wouldn't do it. So he said, I, I went to the biggest, meanest, most tattooed biker. He said, I slapped him off his bicycle. I pushed his bike over. I took his nose ring and yanked it out of his mouth and threw it in his face, and I told him, don't you touch that woman. And St. Peter, he said, man, that's awesome. He was so impressed. And he said, when did that happen? And the man said, a few minutes ago. <laughs> Get it? A few minutes ago. Now, I am not sure that heaven is the, the deliverance this man was hoping for. But the truth of the matter is, there's going to be plenty of trouble come our way. And I don't know how. And I don't know when. That song says, I don't know how. And I don't know when. You may not know how. And you may not know when. But he can do it again. Oh yes, he can do it again. I don't know when. And I don't know how. But I've got two words for somebody this morning. But God. But 
God, you put whatever facts there are. You make the statements as plain as you can before that. But then you remember to put the two little words. But God, you lay it out. The facts they are. The complete sentence. You lay it all out before God. But don't you forget to say, but God. But God. The truth is, we're going to have plenty of troubles. But there is a coordinating conjunction followed by a divine name. But God. It may be that God delivers us from the suffering and pain by giving us a glorious new body in heaven. Maybe that's deliverance. I don't know. But I know God. But God, the Apostle Paul, he starts another chapter. Very downtrodden. 2 Thessalonians chapter 3. Here's how he starts it out with a plea for his brothers in Christ to pray. And he says, finally, brethren, pray for us. That's how he starts out the chapter. Don't sound very good, does it? Pray for us. You see, what was happening is he was in the middle of a battle. It was a spiritual battle for sure, but it was also a physical struggle. Because in verse 2, Paul says, pray for us that we might be delivered from unreasonable and wicked men. This was a physical struggle. A spiritual, a mental, and an emotional struggle between right and wrong. Between light and darkness. Paul was in the middle of this. And verse 3 starts out with a couple words. You want to take a stab at him? But the Lord. But the Lord. But the Lord is faithful. Brother Billy, he's faithful. I don't know what you're going through, but I can tell you of a surety. But the Lord is faithful. But the Lord is faithful. If you're a Christian today, you're going to have battles. It is the right against the wrong. It is light against darkness. Satan is waging a war on us as individuals and collectively as this church. There is a battle in my mind. It is a physical fight. It is a spiritual fight. It is an emotional fight. It is a mental fight. I don't know what you're going through. Some of you I may know a little and some of them I don't have a clue. I don't know what you're facing. I don't know what struggle is going on in your mind. But I'm here to tell you this morning. But God. But God. The Apostle Paul says it again in 1 Corinthians 10 and 13. There hath no temptation taken you, but such is common to man. Semicolon. Then what does he say? But God. But God is faithful. Over and over the Apostle Paul paints a gloomy picture because that's what it was. It was the truth. It was the facts. It was complete sentences. Then he says, but God, 2 Thessalonians 3 and 3, but the Lord is faithful. So you write your independent clause. You write your complete sins. You write all the facts down. You get down before God and you tell him how it really is. But then you put two little words, but God. You fear, but God. Your loss, but God is faithful. Your financial problems, but God is faithful. Psalm 37 and 17, let's stand. Come to the music, Sister Randa and Sister Dana. Psalm 37 and 17. 
But the Lord upholdeth the righteous. But the Lord, you take whatever is going on in your life and you write it all out. You tell God every last word of it. Every feeling that you feel, even if you feel guilty in saying it, you lay it all out before God and then you put a comma and then you say, but God, but God, but God, I have read to you 15 of the 94 verses today. Only 15 of 94 verses that say, but God or but the Lord. But God delivered. But the Lord is faithful. But the Lord delivereth. But the Lord upholdeth. But the Lord help them. But God. But God. I got situation after situation. But God. I've got fear and trouble. But God. I've got depression. I've got anxiety. But God. I've got finances that are closing in on me. But God. I need salvation. I'm wicked in my spirit. The devil is tormenting me. But God. But God. As they sing, yes, sir. All right, Brother Steve is in the ER. All right, let's just take it before God. Just write it all out. Brother Steve's sick. He's in ER. Who knows what is going to happen? He's gone to the ER. But God, but God, no matter how it turns out, but God, but God. But God, oh God, touch Brother Steve right now. Touch him, Lord, right now. God, we are dependent upon you. The facts are in. The facts are in. He's sick, Lord. God, he's shortness of breath. He's at the yard. But God, but God, you are our hope. God, you are our strength. The Bible says in Psalms, I think it's 37, my heart and my flesh faileth, but God is my strength. There's number 16. But God is my strength. But God is my strength. Let's come in this morning. Let's pray. Just lay it all on the altar this morning. We got plenty of time. Come on. Lay it all on the altar. Tell him every last word. Give it to him straight. Tell him every last fact. Tell him how you feel from the top to the bottom. Tell him what you're going through. But then you put a comma and you put two little words. But God. But God. But God. But God can do such things as these. Oh, tell me who but God can do such things as these. But God. Who but God. Who but God. Storm and waters when he speaks those demons sweet. Tell me, God, my loss is so great, but God, God, there's that word cancer, but God, I haven't been to church in six months, but God, maybe there's somebody, tell me, who but God can do such things that you are in sin. And your life is a mess. You are a wreck. You are destined to hell. I've got two words for you. But God. But God. But God.
God, he can calm the stormy water. When he speaks, those demons flee. Tell me who but God can do such things as these. Well, tell me who but God can do such things as these. Oh, who but God can do such things as these. Who but God, he can calm the stormy water. When he speaks, those demons flee. Oh, me who but God can do such things as Too quick drinking, set a night and free from gold. He can make something for nothing, cause he did just that for me. Tell me who but God can do such things as these. Well, tell me who but God can do such things as these. Who but God, 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 he can calm the stormy water when he speaks of demons. Fingerprints are on the sun. Those big stars that hang on nothing. Just more miracles he's done. His breath becomes the wind to see. The palm of his majesty. Tell me who but God can do such things as these. Oh, who but God can do such things as these. Oh, who but God, who but God, who but God, he can calm the stormy water. Fruits are all the sun. Those big stars that hang on nothing shows what miracles he's done. His breath becomes the wind, the sea, and the palm of his majesty. Tell me who but God can do such things as these. Tell me who but God can do such things as Oh, 
He's always 